Hello, and welcome to this episode of Share Your Hotness with your host, Lita Green, and my guest today, Wendy Kelly. And Wendy, how, how long, how far back do we go? Oh my gosh, I met you at a Weaver State Women in Business conference when you were presenting, and um, I think it was right when your book came out. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's been a minute. It's been a minute, my first book. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to point out to my listeners that Wendy is not from Europe, which I'm sure you get that a lot. Do people get try to guess where your accent's from? Old, or do you have a sinus infection? <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Because I, I have friends from your same country who have been like, oh, are you from, they, people ask them if they're from Europe. Mm. Well, um, Wendy, I've, I've had that a little bit, but more because I think I sound a little bit more nasal than most. And so a lot of people think I just have a really bad cold. I used to play it off as wearing a retainer when I was younger. Oh, okay. So Wendy is actually deaf. And so this is an opportunity to, when you hear a voice like this, to maybe look at them when you're talking to them, not look away. <laughs> so there's a lot of um, nice things you can do. I'll let you tell them some nice things you like it when people communicate with you this way. You know, honestly, um, face contact, look at me, um, when I walk by you and if you're talking to me and I'm not responding, take, make the effort to get my attention. Um, you know, don't just think I'm being stuck up or um, don't have time or something like that. I get accused of that a lot. You know, you didn't hear me and I'm like, well, um, you can't yell at the deaf girl, which is where it comes from, honestly. <laughs> I was like, I'm just yelling at you across the room. I'm like, well, I'm deaf. You can't yell at me. Like, <laughs> yeah, you really, <laughs> yelling doesn't help if I don't hear you. <laughs> right. so honestly, just making an effort. It's common courtesy. I don't care if you're hearing or not. If you can be deaf, hard of hearing, it's a common courtesy to make sure someone is looking at you when you're speaking to them. I, I think completely agree. Completely agree. My kids I was like if you're not giving me eye contact we're not talking like you're we're not communicating and I'm a little bit hard of hearing so it's just the other pet peeve I have is when people say oh never mind when I miss it oh that and that's disrespectful in so many ways because when people say when you ask somebody what's going on oh don't worry about it it's like I'm in this group in the conversation can you fill me in you know that 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 is the best way to de devalue someone and make them feel devalued and I yeah. hate I hate it all the time you I know? think it's totally infantilizing something you know in, in infantilized infantile you know treating yeah. someone like an infant evidently I can't say that word right now I know but right and the other thing is when I've had people actually step in front of me in a conversation I'll handle this from here Wendy you can't hear everything and I'm like mm -mm, no no Ooh. Oh, yeah, I'd be a little. Yes, yes, yeah. I'm sorry, say that again, Wendy. That is a power play at its best. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I guess that's a way you can filter out people that you don't want to hang out with. Uh -huh. Yeah. 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 So that's some good education. So to recap, eye contact, having face contact, don't dismiss what you said. It's worth saying then you should be able to repeat it for everyone in the conversation mm -hmm. and definitely don't tell people I got this from there. I mean, just being a sign language interpreter, 
um, our job was if we were hanging out with deaf people, you're signing. That's just the deaf culture. You're making sure that they can understand everything that's happening. Yeah. You're not being like, um, you know, and it. I don't sign. So it's a, it's a new experience for me. I just, I have a new client that works with parents with deaf children and me not signing has actually been an interesting dynamic for me because they know I'm deaf and they know that I can um, read lips really, really well. And so they want to use me as an example for their kid, but look, you don't have to sign. I'm like, no, 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 no. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. And it is something I wish I would have learned as a youth and as a child, but it's not something that my parents kept from me on purpose. My dad was deaf too. It's not something that was ever kept from me as a communication issue. It's we knew how to adapt within my family, but I also was born in an era where children with disabilities were deemed um, special ed and they were put in special places and my parents refused to do that. So they just mainstreamed me from day one. And so I just learned how to adapt, honestly. And I hear just enough and I hear the right tone that I could. Right. I love what you said because uh, my associate's degree, which is the only completed degree I have, is in sign linguistics. And it's basically like how valuable having a full foundation of language is in. And so that I can argue that sign language is a language and you're saying you wish you had that. But again, the time you were in the information that was known, the research that had been done, people didn't know they oralism, they thought was the best thing. I mean, people thought oralism was the best thing for a long, long time. And because you have, as you say, a little bit of hearing, it gave you a leg up in hearing the tones, but um, not everybody can go oral, but everyone can learn sign language. Right. So linguistic, I linguistic as a word, I linguistic development, no matter what the language or the dialect is, is an important thing. And, you know, the little bit of sign that I do know, the basic science, the alphabet, you know, more and milk and cookie and all that stuff. I've been able to teach my, my granddaughter since she was about three months old, you know, and they're not verbal when they're babies, but being able to have her at five, six months old, tell me more or tell me milk without speaking. I'm like, why are we not doing this all the way across the board, regardless of whether you can hear or not, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, my kids at five months, my daughter could sign milk at three and a half. Yeah. And my, you know, they would sign, this is a sign. Oh, I'm signing mom, which is helpful for, for Wendy, but not everyone listening. It's an open palm with the thumb touching the chin. Um, and the kid would more smash the palm against the, the chin instead of the thumb against the chin. But you knew they were signing mom. Right. And it was great that they could communicate. And mm-hmm. it would be cute because my son, would somebody would be holding him and he would just kind of look at me and be like, mom. Yeah. And before he had to cry or be upset, I'd be like, oh, he wants me. And they're like, how do you know? And I'm like, well, that's the sign for mom. Yeah. And then he would do the same thing with his thumb touching the forehead. Um, (laughs) um, touching the forehead instead of his, and then, you know, the palm hitting the forehead, but, you know, I knew that was dad. And so definitely great because they're able to communicate what they were thinking and feeling, um, and what they needed. So, yeah, yeah, I think I'm a, I'm a, we could talk forever, but there are other things we want to talk about because you do a lot with communications. Let's segue into that, Wendy. 
So communication. So I have a platform called You Can't Yell at Deaf Girl. Obviously, as I just mentioned earlier, it's, you know, a sarcastic take on, you know, people yell at me and think I'm stuck up. I'm like, you can't yell at me, you know, but think about it. <laughs> When you're in a fight or when you're in a disagreement with somebody, regardless of how well you hear it, you don't like being yelled at, period. And most people, most people, unless they're really into the whole conflict thing, as some people are, most people shut down when they're being yelled at. Yep. So it's a, it's a communication thing. It does not matter how well you hear. Well, if you think of the facial expression of your, what you're making when you're yelling, Yes. Why would that be a pleasant sensation for someone who is deaf to look at your face contorted in anger? Um, I personally have had my fill. And if people yell at me, I will, I literally one time put my hand up in a guy's face who was yelling. And of course, that's a very um, clear body language to put yeah. your hand up and, you know, inches from someone's face. And I, I said, you need to get control of yourself. Mm-hmm. And he kept yelling. And I said, on the count of three, if you are not in control of yourself, we're done. You know, that's exactly- and I was just like, one, two, three. And um, I don't think he noticed for several months that I was not engaging with him. I wasn't rude. I didn't turn my back. And it's been several years. And he actually asked me recently, he was like, hey, why don't we talk? And I'm like, because you don't have control over your emotions. And you think it's okay to yell because he said in his yelling, as a woman, you can't tell me. Uh, ooh, ooh. And I was like, <laughs> as a woman, I can't. Oh, and I was like, I just don't hang out with men that are. And I'm making very clear that it's not all men. No. But if somebody just picks themselves that way, you have nothing to add. Exactly. Right? Well, that's the thing. You know, I will say I probably up until my mid 30s. I could be described as an angry white Mormon, honestly. I mean, an but, angry white Mormon. Is that what you said? Woman. Oh, woman. I was like, yeah. well, I'm, I mean, I guess you could say that because I live in Utah, but um, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not an active part of that. But um, I wasn't quite no. sure. I've heard angry white woman before, but angry, angry white Mormon, me. there's about 40% of the Mormon faith would be white. So, okay. Right. <laughs> So, no, the thing was just so I realized in all of the therapy and the healing and the holistic stuff that I've done over the last 10, 11 years, you know, after my um, marriage ended, there was a lot of trauma that went along with it. And I needed to understand where my anger came from. And my anger wasn't always coming from the fact that I had some really crappy marriages or that there was some things that happened in my childhood and there was sexual assault and molestation from family members and stuff like that. I was angry that I was deaf. I was angry that I had to fake my existence and make everyone else comfortable. Ooh, okay. That is deep. Say that again. That last part, that was deep. I was angry that I had to fake who I was and make everyone else comfortable. Okay. I just, I hear you're saying, cause you're deaf, mm-hmm. but that like hit me that I spent a lot of my time doing that. And I'm sure, mm-hmm. um, you know, when I was younger, you know, we have to, you know, be nice and sweet, you know, um, which of course is, um, grooming children to be molested. Oh. Um, so you know, like we're kind of doing a, mm-hmm, right. 
but you also, I think everyone has had a period in their life or maybe now where they think they have to be something for other people. Totally. Yeah. It, it all came back to something I had no control over. I cannot control my hearing. You know, like it's a body thing. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a genetic thing. It's something that was gifted to me. Now I can call it a gift. Mm-hmm. Gifted. It was gifted to me. I can make this something that I can advocate for in the realm of communication, but I can also advocate for disability rights and deaf rights and hard of hearing and all of that stuff because I've been through so many situations where my hearing has been held against me and I've been through wrongful termination suits. I've been through all of that because of the fact they said I was hard to communicate because they didn't want to make the effort and I didn't make more. And I was able to prove it. So that's the thing wow. where the effort comes in. I mean, it doesn't matter how well you hear and it matters how well you communicate. It matters how much you can use empathy and compassion in that. Yes. It doesn't mean you can't have your boundaries within that communication, but it means, oh my gosh, I'm communicating with somebody. I'm going, I'm going to give them what I expect for myself. And if I can't give them what I expect, then I have no business being in this conversation. You Preach know? it, right? But yeah. that's so interesting that there's an, there's an obvious um, language difference. Yes. Someone is deaf. So it's not like it's a personality flaw or, um, you know, all the myriad of reasons that somebody might be difficult to communicate with. This is like a pretty obvious, like, you're going to have to look at me. Like, right. you can't talk behind my head and yeah. me understand. So in a restaurant kitchen you know, they might have to tap your shoulder. I'm behind you. You know, there's, there's ways you could do it, but that would definitely be a difficult environment. You know, I've I've waitressed before I've served. Right. But I mean, that's like one of the only environments I can think of that somebody might have to make a physical alteration to how they do the job. That's the thing though. Every situation requires that. Right. But that's what I'm saying is different people require different things. And it's not like they could be like, well, Wendy chose not to hear today. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. Today she showed up at work hearing and yesterday she came deaf. I mean, that is so rude. <laughs> right? But you know, the thing with it though is, you know, and um, you know, we have the ADA laws and all of that stuff, but you know, if you don't look disabled, if you don't behave disabled, the treatment is different. And mm-hmm. that is discrimination in itself. And, you know, you can have a mental health crisis. You, you can just be struggling with your emotions and everything like that. And that is considered a disability in some, you know, depending on. The oh, situation. and it, it should be. It should be considered yeah. something that we are working more towards an awareness of how this affects people. And it should be something that we shouldn't be hiding. Right. And that's the thing. It's like, well, you don't look that. You know how many times I've been told that? I'm like, you don't look that. I don't know how I'm <laughs> It's like, well, what am I supposed to look like? I don't know what I'm supposed to look like. I mean, you don't look dumb, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm super curious. Like, what does a deaf person look like? Having many deaf friends, I didn't know there was a look to it. Um, but, oh, oh, I just had this thought. Is that because there's like, down syndrome has like a look 
A lot of oh, poopy pants. Pants. that's an interesting thing you just said that because when I worked, you know, I'm very involved with Special Olympics Utah. My son is on the spectrum. And, uh-huh. you know, I worked with them for a few years as the development director and director of community um, relationships and stuff. And so it was a beautiful experience. And I'm still involved with them. In fact, that's part of the reason why I stepped away from being employed with them so I could step into being a coach and be spend more time with my son. Um, I'm an extremely athletic person and my, 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 my younger son, um, he is to an extent. I mean, when you're in a normal, normal athletic situation, the rushing and all that stuff on the spectrum, you, that just is not an okay thing. Right. I remember when I started working for Special Olympics, somebody said to me, it must be so nice to finally work for an organization that you could have joined in when you were younger. And I'm like, that's not what Special Olympics is about. <laughs> let's, let's go into that. I'm wanting to make sure I'm holding myself in the light. So my voice, I mean, my lips are the most visible. Um, see, trying to be nice because, you know, um, there's two points I want to bring up here of one, when I was in a wheelchair, like the look of being, you know, whatever mm-hmm. special difference there is, I was young. And so people thought I was making it up. Mm-hmm. I get that a lot. And I guess I didn't have the look of being, you know, over 70 or not having a limb or something right. that people just were like, you're not really handicapped. Come on, you could walk. And I was like, well, I don't I know if you want to see that. <laughs> better than you're letting on you, you know you're just using that you know you're hiding because you don't want to pay attention of like really <laughs> <laughs> I have a 12 to 13 percent hearing loss that's it okay. and you're completely deaf in which ear my right ear and in my left ear um without my hearing aid is about a 70 percent loss and with my hearing aid it's a 30 percent loss yeah so I'm pretty much just deaf I get people saying to me all the time, oh, don't worry about it. And mm-hmm. it drives me nuts with just a 13% hearing loss, how I'll be like, I'm sorry, what was that? Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, don't worry. And it just it drives me nuts. No, but I the other them. thing, I'm sorry, what, Wendy? I will call them out on it right then and there. I'm yeah. Like, to me. I'll just literally say, don't do that to me. Please tell me what Brian said. I deserve to know. So. Very good. And I love how your tone's like, boom. This is what's going to happen. So the other thing I wanted to say was how the organization of the separation of special needs or, you know, the Special Olympics to the deaf community. Can you educate the audience to that? Yeah. So literally, not literally, Special Olympics is about people with intellectual disabilities. And oftentimes with those intellectual disabilities will come a physical disability like Down syndrome or, you know, sleep or whatever like that. Or not having a limb, maybe. Intellectual disabilities. Okay, so intellectual, because Special Olympics, I've seen people, now that would be the Paralympics. Paralympics are not intellectually disabled. Yeah, so it's only going to be those that have, because I've seen Correct. Special so Olympics people. Learning disabilities. Right. Uh, TBI that were obtained when they were children. You know, Traumatic um, brain injuries, just for those who, yeah. Right. So I will do better in pronouncing everything out. Instead of <laughs> the acronym. No, you just, you, you but, did. Uh, you just said TBI and not everyone might know right, what exactly. a TBI is. So. so Special Olympics, you know, and there are several athletes that are very, very 
very brilliant, but there's a little bit something that what could be, you know, something that happened, a birth defect, something that happened when they were born, lack of oxygen. It's, just, it's all about the intellectual disability. It is Got it. about the physical disability because the thing of it is with Special Olympics is even if you, you're, you know, I hesitate to say like this, even if your brain's not working right, your body can. And it's not about your disability, it's about your ability. And it's giving everyone the opportunity to play on a level playing field. Deafness is not dumbness. Yep, yep. Which, uh, remember, physical, those, not mental. <laughs> for those listening, you know, people used to be called deaf and dumb. Correct. And so you can get why the deaf culture has this pushback, meaning those that both sign and those who don't saying we're intellectually fine. Like, don't, mm-hmm. I can do anything you can do. I just need linguistic adaptation. That's it. Right. That's Which if somebody came from China and was your doctor, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be like, oh my heavens, they speak Chinese. Right. You know? <laughs> You know, you wouldn't be upset by that, you know, right. but so, for some reason that prejudice of deaf and dumb right. still exists in our culture because they hear the voice difference or they see the signing and they'll be like, okay, are you hearing me? <laughs> Wendy does this like fist clenching upsetness when I did that. Yeah. Here's the thing with Special Olympics too, when I say deafness is not dumbness, Intellectual disabilities are not dumbness either. It's just a different way of your nerves connecting. You just think you you move differently. It's just a different way. It's a different way of living, really. And so the Olympics just adapts to give so many of these amazing people the opportunity to participate in a sport that may have triggered them otherwise had they been in a typical situation like high school or college or whatever or they weren't able to because they reacted a little bit slower like my son you know you would not know he was autistic until you started talking to him and you hear him repeat um and his his reaction times are probably five seconds slower than most so difference that's where the intellectual disability comes in and so and that's why they call it an intellectual disability it's not because they're dumb it's they process different right right and so that's what that's what that's why someone, even someone who's blind, would not qualify for Special Olympics. Now, if they're blind because of something that happened because of a, a an intellectual disability or a birth defect or something, that's a different story. But even someone who's blind wouldn't qualify. So uh, thank you for making that very clear. Don't qualify either because it doesn't affect their. It's not their intellectual. It's the physical. But they would be able to do Paralympics. See the difference. Right. Okay. No, I totally do. And I, and I appreciate you clarifying that because I, I, in my mind, you know, I've seen those special Olympic athletes that don't have a limb. So I'm like, Oh, it's a little bit confusing. Again, I got caught up in this, what you see, you know, they look like they are after me, you know, by having a limb, but it's the intellectual capacity. So thank you for clearing that up. But again, I like how you said, it's not dumbness. It's just a learning difference. And we augment a little bit learning for that. Um, I like to joke how back in the day on the farm, the mm-hmm. autistic farmer just had probably a really clean farm, you know, because they like 
you know, their OCD can kind of go with Asperger's. Sometimes. Um, yeah, but you know, they just, they, the, the farm, how you do your farm work is going to vary. And that's okay because certain jobs back in the day, there was, you know, if you wanted to feed your chickens before you fed your cows, it probably wasn't going to be a problem. Right. It wasn't like now where it's like every single thing has to be exactly the same. And we have regimented our society so much that there is a right way to do things. And that has left behind people that have an intellectual learning difference Mm -hmm. because we need to be able to say, you know, come back and go, you finding the things they can do and excel in because everyone deserves to be good at something, which is what it's all about. Right. Mm-hmm. Even even with education and you know, and with development, everybody learns different. And you know, this whole this whole everybody we have to do everything the same in the classroom. Everyone learns different. And quite frankly, everyone everyone has a hearing issue, not because of the deaf, but because everyone has a tonal loss. Not everyone can hear every tone. There's no, I mean, there's 2020 eyesight. There's not 2020 hearing, you know. Everyone has something they can't hear in a tone or a level or a frequency. And so sometimes like your tone of voice is perfect for me. For somebody else, it might not be. Yeah. Different. It's just a tonal processing. So everyone learns different. And so that's where the, the, what you just said, the linguistic adaptability comes in, because you have to be able to talk to somebody and meet them where they are, especially a student who's in their development stages, second, third, fourth grade, and understanding that, hey, I don't learn the same, so there's nothing wrong with me. I just learn different. Right, right. Well, I have ADD, and obviously that's not a intellectual handicap it's just a learning it is is. well i i don't see it that way (laughs) no i don't i don't either but if you look at medical terms they do classify attention deficit disorder as an intellectual disability when i was a kid they were just like stop talking stop moving (laughs) and i had to learn how to augment to get ahead and to do the things i needed to do And so I always tell my kids that a lot of learning differences and special ed things are superpowers. Yes, they are. You look at the Down syndrome kid, they're closer to heaven. They sure are. They sure are. They all are. Out of love. And if you meet someone with Down syndrome who is um, angry, that is a reflection of how the people in their life have treated them unless there's a traumatic brain injury, obviously. Um, but we are, you know, we're all so different and we should celebrate people who have, you know, maybe that, that laser ability to love and, you know, it's going to increase your empathy. And so really it's a superpower. And I found a career that works for me that lets me talk a lot. (laughs) the first time I saw you I was like what is she doing because you came out in the wig and the teeth and all that I was like um what am what <laughs> no, teeth. that was that was the, that was the golden era man that was so awesome it was it was real I did not really have all my front teeth okay. and I was in car accident so when my husband's like Can we please get them fixed I'm like no they're they're part of my stick. Like it's hilarious. <laughs> He's like, 
just have to fall back on your personality. And about a month after I got them fixed, somebody called and said, we're so excited to have you come. And, you know, the whole tea thing. I mean, it's amazing. And I was like, I have a video of the tea thing, but um, we got the tea fixed and they were like, yeah it's just I think communication and on all levels you know there's so many things you have to look at you know one are they hearing you are they they physically able to hear you one um and that even if you're in a loud place like a concert or a restaurant or something like that or something like that sorry I'm being I'm being called okay you need to attend to that it's all right uh, uh, my media company will edit it okay okay so yeah I'm, my little three-year-old just came in I'm like Whoa. so um you know the communication physically able there's so many different things that need to be taken into consideration you know and empathy is huge on that I talked a little bit about that and you know I sent over my stuff with you the empathy part of it is taking a minute and understanding where they're coming from and why they're wanting to communicate the way they communicate whether it's hearing, whether it's um, trauma, whether it's vulnerability, whether they're uncomfortable with the whole situation and being empathetic enough to say, okay, help me understand so they can meet you where you are. Right. Which goes back to that truth bomb you put down of you were angry because you had to augment to others. Yes. And, And there probably wouldn't have been the anger just about the augmenting to others if they had been trying to augment to you because yeah. you were you were putting out so much effort and not getting reciprocation it's a two-way street it's a two-way street Shh, i need you to be quiet it's a two-way street it's a two-way street communication as in so many ways i'm so it's, sorry your three-year-old's in the room and um just pretend like you're deaf and don't listen to it I could do that. I'm really good. I'm really good at doing that. So, you know, I think, you know, you know, going back to what you're talking about, you know, making sure that people are met where they are as far as, you know, abilities, um, superpowers, um, understanding and compassion and all of that. It's um, admitting that you have something different than other people is hard. I never told people I was deaf for the longest time because um it made me different Mm. and I didn't want to be different isn't um, so interesting that typically a teenager wants to be their own person and I guess it just shows how much privilege you have if you want to rebel to be different when you actually are different you want to fit in well, I want, I was fine with being different. I was totally the, you know, the, the, the wild child. Don't get me wrong. I was different, but I didn't want to be different like that. Right. But it's, uh, my point is one, you can pick yes. one you can't per se. Mm-hmm. And really, you know, what somebody when they're rebelling could be crying out for is, you know, acceptance and love and unconditional mm-hmm. love of that. Right. I mean, yeah. There's so much interesting things in this because we, you know, we all have that thing, like you brought up, we all have that thing that makes us different, Mm -hmm. that makes us a different learning style. And we can't look at any other person and go, oh, I get how I'm to work with them. Right. 
you know, the looking deaf, I'm just laughing at that. That's so, you don't look like a deaf person. I know, even, you know, I, I, the other thing too is people would have known probably more if I had worn my hair up. If you notice, I always have my hair down around my face. I hide my ears. I always hide my it had just been recently in the last probably five years, and I'm going to throw my, I'm 53. I just turned 53 this year. It's been the last five years that I've been comfortable wearing my hair up in a ponytail in public and not giving a shit. And so I would love to be able to work with kids or even young adults and saying, it really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Yeah. Be authentic in who you are. Yeah in order to get what you need. Right. And, you know, when I see someone with a hearing aid, I get excited because I love the deaf community and, um, you know, I feel, I feel connected to that, not because of my hearing loss, but because of my um, signing. But I was always explaining when I lived among the deaf, because people would be like, oh, you're hard of hearing other hearing people. And I would be like, no, I mean, yes. I mean, technically, <laughs> you know, but I didn't want deaf people to think that my voice sounded different. That because I can totally move into the hearing world. I'm like, guess what? Deaf people couldn't hear you, so it didn't matter. And I'm, right. I'm saying that joke only because me, I never would have known. But the ex- but my point is the experience is different. Yes. When I went to a social gathering, yes, I missed a lot because of the loudness. Right. But I'm just talking with someone one-on-one and they move to the side of me, I can still hear. So I'm having a different experience than, um, you know, like my deaf niece, people forget to sign for her at a family gathering. Right. That's a very different experience than what I had, where all I have to do is move myself closer to where the talking was happening. And I might not hear it across the room, but it's a very different experience. And I should have had tubes put in my ears. So my hearing kind of went up and down with that. And that's why I have the hearing loss that I do. So I remember not hearing really well, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, probably having, you know, just sounding everything underwater. Right. You know? So that gave me empathy that that's not the same experience to when I'm hearing at my best. Gotcha. And so didn't want deaf people to think I totally knew how they felt because I had a different experience. True. And you know what? That I will be kind of the same for me. When I am around other deaf people, I'm uncomfortable because I don't know what to do because I've lived so long in the hearing world that that's what I've adapted to. So when I'm around other deaf people, I kind of sit there and go, what am I supposed to do? Because I'm not used to this. I'm not used to this. And so- Basically, there is any conversation you want to have with a deaf person, they can switch to talking about Jesus to talking about sex of so the same. There's no, there's no between it, which I kind of love because um, it's so honest. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. You're to connect. But it's interesting because the deaf community, because you're deaf, mm-hmm. even you don't sign they will automatically accept you into their inner circle because you're deaf, because they know you have had those same kind of experiences mm-hmm. of I've, feeling left out or not looking, hearing. <laughs> so. 
sorry. I can't let it go. It's too funny. No, to- no, it's just, it's still, there's still a mistake. Cause I've been asked like, you don't look deaf. Can you drive? Can you go to a restaurant? It's like, why, what? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> uh, sometimes I uncontrollably slap people as part of my deafness. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> I can drive. I'm like, yeah, I can drive. Well, how do you hear things? I'm like, mm, I see things. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I think I've told this story on the podcast before, but I was in the car being driven by a deaf friend who yeah. also had to be blind in one eye. Oh. That was the oh. thing that nervous but she um one day she just pulled over to the side of the road and I was like you know what what's happening and then I heard the siren oh so she saw the lights reflecting in the mirrors before I heard the siren <laughs> so they let me drive <laughs> and they let hearing people with their music blasted so loud, they might as well be deaf. Right. Learned that heightened sense of visuality that you would have a visual acuity, um, you know, that you would as a hearing person when your music is so loud, you're, you might as well be a deaf person driving and worse because you're not used to visual cues like a deaf person is. Right. But this leads me back to kind of something you're already talking about with communication. And since you're so good at this, that um, these learning differences and how we are all different and we don't see those things. What's your, what's your recommendation? Cause I know you have great wisdom in this, that how to assess, how do I need to communicate with this person the best? That's the thing, you know, anyone you're talking to, if you feel like your message is not being received, or you feel like they're missing the point, step back for a second and say, hey, I don't feel like we're on the same plane. What do I need to do differently so I can meet you where you are, so I can, we can, we can understand each other. It is not, um, the worst thing you can say to somebody is, let me help you understand what I'm saying. No, what you want to say is, how can I better say what I need to say so that there's understanding between us. You know, um, the minute you, you put yourself into a space where you people feel like you're talking down to them or you're being, you know, you're mansplaining them or you're, you're being, you know, condescending, it changes the game. But if you can level it up to where you just say, hey, look, I don't feel like this is happening. What do we need to change? What do we need to change? How can I change what I'm saying? so that you're receiving it better and vice versa. Hey, I'm not getting what you're saying. Can you change this a little bit? I need a different change of language, your tone, your body language, something, something bad. Can we take five minutes and come back? Um, if it's not working, ask for a break. If it is working, keep it going. But the big thing is empathy. But the thing with people don't, I think what people forget sometimes with empathy is, they think that if I'm being empathetic, I'm taking on their issues. You're not. You can you can have boundaries and still be empathetic. Yes. That's so important what you just said. You can be empathetic without taking on their issues. Totally. And it's about yeah. the language shift. So think about it this way. So, you know, you know, Brené Brown talks about, you know, sympathy versus empathy. It's kind yep. of like help and assistance. I'm helping you. That means I'm going to do it for you. If I'm assisting you, we're going to do it together. 
Right. Same thing. If I'm in an empathetic conversation, we're doing this together and we're going to support each other, even if we don't agree. You know, so let's find the solution without yelling. We keep our tone and we go back and forth. And sometimes a lot of repeating. Here's what I'm hearing. Is that what you meant? Here's what I think you're saying. Is that what you're saying? So you give people a chance to say, wait a minute, no, I think you heard me wrong, or I think you're misinterpreting, or I think, no, that's not how I meant to say it. Let me let me change it. You give people a chance to clarify. And clarity is everything, everything. And if you're not clear, it is never going to be a clear conversation. And um, it's something I've learned a lot, even with my kids. I, I communicate with my kids differently now than I did when they were growing up. I communicate with my granddaughter differently than I do with my kids. And it's shifted so much in our relationship. There's a lot more respect. There's a lot more willingness of, for us to speak to each other, with each other, and a lot more willingness to share hard things because we know that we're going to come from a place of empathy that doesn't mean we don't have opinions that doesn't mean that I still not going to mom mode in my Irish mode once in a while I mean I'm not perfect at it I never will be and I don't think anybody will be but the effort has to be made and the intentions are there too if you're walking into a conversation with the intent to be mean stop yourself right there it's not worth to have the conversation that's not or the intent to be right right um I mean I, I, this is, I just want to put, draw a parallel because um, I'm making an assumption that neither one of us are a member of the LGBT community. So I thought how you parallel this to that, because I've had people, because I don't have she and her after my pronouns, think that I'm willing to be upset towards LGBT people, right? right. But when somebody says, you know, she or her, they're trying to help you understand what's important to them and their lived experience. Just like I'm going to say God a lot in my conversations. I'm letting you know something that's important to me. And it's been interesting that I've had people be like, you can't say the word God because it's different from my experience. And I'm like, well, you can translate it to what you want, but I don't have to change my language, but I do need to be able to communicate my concepts. Right. And you, you can augment to understand and I can augment to understand, but we can't be forcing language. So if I went to a job and they said, you have to put she and her, I'd be like, well, to me, I, I come across as female. I mean, it's, it's, if somebody messes up and calls me guys, it doesn't make me mad. It doesn't hurt my feelings right. because I've had a different experience. Right. But if I also had a job that said you can never mention the word God, I'd be like, ooh, I might slip up. Right. That's a problem. And that's yes. authentic in who you are. It really is. Right. Authenticity is clear. We can't force people to identify as we want them to so that everyone around us makes us feel comfortable. That's pushing us back into tribalism. And that's going to be a problem. Okay, you have a you have a point to say. I, I'm excited. No, no, that's what I'm just saying. I mean, I spent so many years making myself adapt to other people to make them comfortable because of my hearing, so they wouldn't have to make more effort for me. So I have a child who identifies as non-binary. Um, he wants to. I mean, they want to be they them, which is right. fine. I still struggle with that. But the, no, I mean, I just slept twice there. So it's, <laughs> you're right. I would think. Right. That that 
when we're looking at changing language, I have a hard time with seeing all of culture changing, you know, like, like Spanish is Latina, Latino. I mean, everything is the male to the feminine. And that is very much a part of their culture. But when I'm talking to someone who identifies with a different pronoun, then out of respect, I'm going to use that. Just like I have friends who try not to swear around me. <laughs> right? You know, because to me, you know, using the Lord's name in vain is a little bit like, eh, hmm. yeah. but I'm not, I'm not going to force that on people. I'm not going to be like, how dare you? Right, but yeah. I'm very conscious and not dropping, dropping F-bomb today, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's more for the rating on the podcast. Right? That's the thing, what you're saying. So it's it's an empathetic approach to meeting people where they are and making them or helping them or assisting them and feeling comfortable and being vulnerable enough with you that you get an understanding of what needs to be said. So, you know, I consider myself an ally. I am all about that and I will support them. And I don't feel like anybody has to identify as any one way. We are just who we are. We're humans. Well, I'm glad I brought it up with you because you're in that place of empathy and how it impacts other people. And it's, it's a conversation that our society is having so much. And I see people on, you know, one side of, this argument be like, we need to change all language. I'm like, uh, that's probably not going to happen. But I also said people like, how dare they? And I'm like, are you seriously upset that somebody put a pronoun after their name? Like calm her down. Pronouns. We use them all the time. We cannot get rid of them. They are a part of the English dialect, regardless. I mean, noun, verbs, actives, adjectives, all of that. If you look at how we write, we do pronouns, and it, it's, a, it's a definer. I mean, it is something we have to use in our grammar. And it is okay for people to say, I want to be identified as. So just be, yeah. you don't have to change your mind, but you can love them enough to do that for them. But you can have empathy, like you're saying, in that conversation, when you address them and the closer you are to them, the more you should be like, hey, I'm going to do this. But I couldn't be in a a deep friendship. And I have I have friends in this community um, that are, you know, I love that I can ask them questions and learn. And, you know, they know that they're like, hey, why do religious people do that? I can be like, well, I can speak for myself. Right. You know, but I can't speak for all people. And I, I think it's a beautiful way to learn other ways of being. And it parallels to the concept of what it means to be deaf or have a learning difference is we just need to learn about people enough that we can truly connect with them and expecting everyone to connect to us in our way is ego and selfishness. Right. And so it's kind of like in communication when, when somebody comes up to you and you can see they're upset and you can ask the question, am I listening to give you feedback or am I listening to just let you vent? That is the basic of communication. I love that. Yeah. You know? So anytime anyone's coming up to you, what am I doing? Am I listening for feedback or am I listening just to listen? Because that's clear for you. And that way, when you say, okay, I'm going to give you some feedback, or you're open to some feedback, here's where I'm feeling. This is where I'm coming from. Help me understand. 
I think right. communication always needs to be come from a place of help me understand, and it might change your mind. You know, I have, there's nothing wrong. <laughs> Look at that face back there. There's nothing wrong with changing your mind. Yeah, that face, meaning your cute three-year-old. For the listeners, they might not, but she's <laughs> back so happy and so giddy. And I've got a cat running around here, a kitten that I'm sitting, and you've got your three-year-old. So we've got our cute little distractions in the background. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but this, the the willingness to communicate is what really this podcast is all about. It finding what makes others tick Mm -hmm. and you can share what makes you tick in that too. But I, I love people and I love being able to connect with people. And my life has been so much richer because I have communicated with people that are different than me. And the truth is no one person whatever you think they look like <laughs> it's exactly that person in the other group. Every one of us is unique. Yes. And I envision heaven being that we get to sit down with everybody yes. and learn and love them. Like I want to learn. I mean, the only way I'm going to grow and who I am is if I learn from people, if I learn what they're thinking, because sometimes somebody else's perspective, it could be so different from mine that they may say something I never thought of. And I'm like, oh, okay. I learned something new today. Doesn't mean I have to do it. Doesn't mean I have to agree with it, but I learned something new. And that's something I can file away in my knowledge bank. And that, help, and that may help me down the line with communicating with somebody else. Hey, I learned that. Did this apply to you? Is this what you're trying to say? Love it. Yes. Yes, yeah. absolutely. At the same time, um, that if somebody in a particular group, which I almost hate saying it like that, right? Because everyone's so unique, but that's how we identify things. Just because like you had a bad experience with, um, you know, somebody from the circus doesn't mean everybody from the circus. Yeah. I try to pick a non-triggering group. Even though someone's going to be like, why did you label circus people? But just because you had a bad experience with one person doesn't mean that everybody that's in the circus is going to be mean or, you know, be a problem. I agree. I agree. And you know, you can't, you can't, you can't stereotype them that way because every person's going to have a different experience. Just like, you know, I tell people this all the time, you know, people will, when I talk about, when I do do some trauma responsive stuff, and I'll, I'll talk about you know, diversity and equity and things, I'll say to people, my trauma is not different than your trauma. We may have had different levels of it. We may have had different experiences with it, but mine's not better than yours and yours is not better than mine. We've experienced it and we're going to work through it together. And that's that. And that's Love. what communication is too. We've experienced yeah. this and we're going to work through this together. And we're going to find a solution. And that solution may be we part ways. That solution may be we do something different. <laughs> Sorry, I love that. That solution may be we don't hang out. I love that. Yes. Yes. I I have I have a couple of those in my life too, where I'm like, mm-mm. Yeah. You know, um, I just that I think that is so important about boundaries. And how being empathetic doesn't mean we accept everything. Right. You know, forgiving doesn't mean we trust, you know, that there's a spectrum for lack of a better word on who we choose to be connected with, but there's a certain level of courtesy and empathy that we can muster for the, for the, the clerk at the, 
you know, for everyone around us, you know, notice, notice name tags. Um, oh, and that's why I like wearing a hearing aid so great or why I love it when somebody has some kind of flag, you know, pride flag, then I know yeah. that I be like, Hey, you know, I can be watching to make sure if I use a pronoun, did they like that pronoun? Their body language will let you know. Mm-hmm. Or I can say, as I've been told to by my friends to just ask them, but yeah. if they don't have like a little flag flag symbol, I don't know. And I can't go around. I know some people would, but for me going around in every single conversation and being like, what are your preferred pronouns is not a sensitive enough issue that I'm probably not willing to augment that much, yeah. but I'm willing, if I see something that can be like a little, Hey, this is important to me, mm-hmm. you know, just like when I hear Spanish, I'm like, I now do something that I do with the deaf culture. I'm like, hola, yo necesito aprender español. I'm, and I think I just said I'm needing to learn Spanish. And that way they know that I might understand a little bit of what they're saying because I've overheard private conversations in the deaf culture. You always let people know if you sign, because if they, yeah. they don't see you signing, they may not want your, their conversation to be being visible. But just letting people know, like I'm paying attention to Spanish. I've seen people change their conversation. Just having certain level of empathy of if I were in their shoes, how would I want to be treated? Exactly. That's exactly what it is, you know, and it's not, it is not about sitting there going, I have to feel for you. I have to be feeling sorry for you. No, no. Yes. That's um, pity is seldom a useful emotion. Right. And yeah. typically I have seen wielded to control people mm-hmm. uh, like, uh, you know, Ukraine right now, we have a lot of empathy for what's going on, but we also only have so much control to fix it. So I'm like, I feel bad for the refugees and those leaving their homes and I want to help individuals, but I'm not trying to intricate myself into the geopolitics and assume that I know what right. the problem who the culprit but at the same time you can be open to learning if you need to right but you know you know how you see people on facebook being like you know um you know if you don't have a ukrainian flag you know you must hate ukrainians and you're like no 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 you know or you know the pride ally thing you know i didn't i didn't um put a flag up of pride you know I have a flag up of America and I had people that got really mad at me that I didn't switch that out. And I'm like, that's your level. But to me, America is really important. And that is why we can have a pride flag. Because a lot of countries, you couldn't even do that. And I'm sustaining, as I saw it, I was sustaining their right to wave their flag and to be them. Because sadly, in a lot of countries, uh, we get killed for being different, being deaf, being mentally different, being um, in the LGBT community, being religious, you know, we have all more in common, but let's lean in to learn the differences, right? Totally, totally. You know, and you know, I'm not a huge person. I'm not a huge, okay, I don't fly a lot of flags at my home, period. I choose to let my behavior and my actions speak for myself, speak for me and what I'm going to do for people, um, being of service and being, um, being kind and asking questions and tell me what I need to know so that I can serve you better. And, and ultimately when I serve somebody else better, I'm serving myself too. So, Preach. 
I love it. Yes, absolutely. And, and service is a way to happiness. And of course, increasing our hotness. Of course, of course. Yes. Um, okay. I have loved this time so much with you, Wendy. You have so much to give. I know there is so much more we could have gone into. You're an interesting person with awesome expertise and um, in the show notes. So people go look at those. It's going to be her bio, how to reach out to her so that people don't have to like scramble while they're driving to write down your info. So definitely check that out. She sent some over amazing information and Wendy, thank you for being on this episode of share your hotness. Thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. I've enjoyed it as well. And you've taught me some great things. Thank you. And I have to press the, okay, stop there. Sorry, Chris.